Amen. It's good to be in the house, Lord. Things are changed up, right? We're used to announcements right now, but we had announcements to begin with, so that was good. Um, so today is Super Bowl Sunday. Tomorrow is another holiday, right? Valentine's Day. What is more important, Super Bowl or Valentine's Day? Right? The safe answer, yes. Right? The safe answer. I didn't hear any men saying Super Bowl really loud. There must some wisdom in the room. Um, <laughs> um, but there is, that's kind of a, a, a segue, right? There's, um, what's that phrase? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, some people could care less or couldn't care less about football. Um, I find beauty in football, not in these muscular men on the field, but actually in the chess and kind of figuring things out that um, I love seeing plays being designed and, and wow, I've never seen that play before. Some of you watch football, you have no idea that there's really a lot of chess and thinking and coaching and strategy going on, but I love all that. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, there's things that I find attractive and that it bring me pleasure, and there's things um, that bring you pleasure that don't bring me pleasure at all, right? That's just kind of the things, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so um, if you don't like football, that's totally fine. You're still welcome to hang out with us if you want to come at 3 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have food and just hanging out and have fun. Um, I know my kids, well, my boys are getting older, so I'll just say my daughter likes the commercials more than the football game. Um, <laughs> I know I had another friend that liked some of the halftime artists, and they said that there's this really cool concert happening on Sunday. I think there's a football thing going on before and after, but really there's this concert going on. Um, and so you might have all your favorites, likes, and dislikes of different things. Um, but this morning, that idea, Beauty's an Eye of the Beholder, that's where we're headed this morning. That's the title of my, this morning's message, um, is that we are uh, the pursuit of beauty, that I read that verse to open up worship, that the Lord takes delight in you, that there's sometimes I don't find myself very attractive, but God actually is always finding the beauty inside of me. God is always finding the beauty inside of you. Even people that we think have done too much, right? Look at Paul the apostle, a murderer, all these things that he was doing wrong, and God found the beauty in this man and said, man, if I could get his heart transformed, all of his passion, all of his zeal, actually directed towards me, it's a beautiful thing. And so that's where we're heading this morning, the pursuit of beauty. Um, the definition of beauty is the quality present in a thing or person that gives intense pleasure or deep satisfaction. Um, it's a delight to the senses or it pleases the mind, right? So most of you already know what the word beauty means, but I'm just trying to point out that there's things that Bring delight, right? We've talked about this year, uh, we're preparing our hearts and minds for action. So there's things that delights the senses or our hearts. There's things that we just, it delights us or it pleases the mind. Things can be beautiful that actually aren't, I don't know, feminine or, you know, all those different things. But it's just, it's attractive to our brains. We, we enjoy reading things. Um, I know uh, my sister Gina used to work for a company uh, where there was a man who was very intellectual. And he'd write books that I could understand not even half of what he was writing down. And... Um, it was attractive to, to read things that were beyond my pay grade, right? Beyond my scope of understanding. But it was attractive to try to figure these things out. Um, it's just words on a page. But actually was attract it brought a, a pleasure to my brain to try to figure these things out and understand things I've never even thought of before, right? So I'm just trying to show with you that beauty can be lots of different things. But ultimately, beauty delights us or brings pleasure. 
And God is in a pursuit of beauty. He loves beautiful things. And the most beautiful thing in all creation is you, right? You are the crowning glory of all of his creation. So there's this pursuit of beauty. But as I read that definition, it's the quality present in a thing or person that gives intense pleasure or deep satisfaction. That word satisfaction. You've heard me quote this at least a handful of times over the last several years. Um, John Piper, uh, a pastor, um, came up with a phrase that God is, no, let's see, yeah, I'm saying it right, yeah. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, right? What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's this idea that scripture, sometimes we read scriptures of all these do's and don'ts and all these different things, but really the chief end of man is just to bring glory to God. And this phrase, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. There are people who have left the Christian faith because they read about a God who demands he be worshiped. You have to love me with all your heart. You can't just be kind of in love with me. I have to be number one. And if I'm not number one, you have to love me more than your parents and more than your children, right? And people kind of read these things like, wow, what an egotistical God, right? That he has to be number one and his ego has to be stroked with praise and worship and all these things. But really what it comes down to is we were created to actually find our satisfaction, our fulfillment in life comes in praising him. It's not because he needs to be worshiped. He actually knows it's to our benefit. Actually, we find fulfillment in our life. We find the most satisfaction you can actually ever find is actually worshiping Jesus. You can't find more joy or pleasure. And I find pleasure watching football. I find pleasure hanging out with my wife or doing things with my kids. I find a lot of pleasure in things in this world. But there is no pleasure deeper or greater than the satisfaction of having intimacy with our creator. It's kind of interesting. This whole sermon isn't on this, but the wisest man ever to live, right? King Solomon wrote Proverbs about all kinds of practical things of how to make decisions and what well, it'll go well with you if you do these types of things or things will go wrong with you if you do these things, right? All these practical advice. But then he writes the Song of Solomon. This whole poetic thing, and sometimes we get caught up. I know as a kid, I didn't want to read that book. I'm like, I'll read the whole Bible, but not that one, right? As a kid, I was like, I do not want to read that story. But gross things about a man and woman loving on each other. Gross, right? Cooties, all that stuff. <laughs> With Valentine's Day coming up, right? There's just so much about love and beauty and all these things. But really, even the book of Song of Solomon there could have been a real Shulamite woman. There could have been some real practical things going on there. But the reason why it's in the center of our whole Bible is it's displaying a love relationship between a bride and a bridegroom. That there is no greater pleasure than actually being loved on by our groom. So this idea of, of finding satisfaction, actually, um, as I said, people have walked away from the faith. One that's the opposite. C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist and didn't really believe in God, 
And then all of a sudden, things started clicking. And then he started, now he became this great theologian. We quote him all the time. I have a longer quote that I read to you. But it's kind of this idea that our, our deepest satisfaction is actually found in a love, intimate relationship with God. And so actually, I don't know if I have it on my notes here. So I'm going to have to read it. If you can throw it up on the slides, I'll read it up here. Um, but this is what C.S. Lewis writes about. Now those small words, so just listen to me if you can't read it. But it says, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me, C.S. Lewis wrote. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistress. Readers their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Be happening today, football, right? Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. There's another, yeah, I'll read this next one in a second. He's saying that all creation, all, every human being, whether you're a Christian or not, praises something. You find delight in something and you actually praise it. You find enjoyment in something, you will praise it. Every person does that. It's just in our nature that we praise things that we enjoy. And I love that he says at the very end, he finds the people that praise the most are the humble. And the people that are arrogant or prideful, these grouchies, right? They don't ever praise anything. And life is shriveled up for them. They're not enjoying life. You were created to praise. And when praise is not coming out of our mouths, life does not go well with you. That's why the wisest man ever to live says all these things. You are meant to have affection over things. So to finish off this quote, the next slide says this. And just as man spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Right? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Again, like I said, sometimes C.S. Lewis writes these deep things that I have to read more than one time to actually fully grasp it. But this idea, when we don't give God praise, it's not the fulfillment. There's no contentment. There's no fulfillment of what we are created to do. I can have an inward thought that God is worthy. But if I'm not expressing it, if I'm not telling him, isn't he lovely? Isn't he magnificent? Oh, let's praise him, right? What we just did, praise and worship. If I'm not loving God and inviting you to join me in praising him, there's something not healthily going on in my life. And I feel like the Lord this morning is wanting to put his finger on that. Our mission statement here at Osborne is that we are pursuing a relationship with God. 
That's our pursuit. We pursue a relationship with God. And in that pursuit, there is a pursuit for beauty, to find the splendor, the, the good things. Again, kind of talking about Valentine's Day. I don't know if you, did anyone see people selling flowers off the end of the freeway or chocolates, right? It's kind of a thing, right? We just, we do all these things to, to tell people we love, right? We, we display that somehow. We express it. But there's this running theme all throughout Scripture. And um, 1 Peter is where our vision for this year is, 1 Peter 1.3. But this, in 1 Peter 3.3, 3, it says this. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty that depends on jewelry or beautiful clothes or hair arrangement. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. All throughout Scripture, you see that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. There's things where you might see, as I'm getting older, I'm getting more wrinkles and more gray hair and you know, harder to keep this nice and flat, right? All these different things. My, my physical appearance is not as attractive as maybe one day it used to be, right? But I thank God my wife doesn't love me just for the outward appearance. That she sees something inner. That how can someone who's 100 years old, right? They've been married for 70 years. How can they say that their spouse is more beautiful that day than when they got married? Well, the outward appearance, maybe they're not as physically attractive, but there's this inner beauty that they've learned to enjoy and appreciate and value more and more and more. I think there's things about God that I grew up in a church and I've, I've known truths about God all my life. But am I enjoying and finding more value in who he is more and more and more? Because see, I can, I can see his beauty in the outward. I mean, scripture talks about it, right? Um, the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19 talks all about it. The heavens declare the glory of God. I can see his handiwork. I can see all the things he does in creation. And I do, even this morning. Um, I live up in Silmar in the hills. And as I'm driving down, I get to see in the distance the sun hitting the peaks of the mountains in the distance. But everything else is still kind of dark. And I love that. I love seeing the sunrise and the beauty and clouds kind of low the fog. And I just, I love seeing his beauty on display. And I tell him every time I see it, God. This is beautiful. What you created is beautiful. And I'm seeing the external, and it's healthy to have this, um, this dialogue, right? Psalm 50, verse 1 says this. God shouts out over all the people of the earth in every brilliant sunrise and every beautiful sunset, saying, listen to me. All of creation is displaying the beauty of God, and God is saying through it, listen to me. I'm a beautiful God. I want you to find beauty in me, find pleasure in me, find satisfaction in me. Again, it's not wrong to enjoy football. It's not, enjoy, it's not wrong to go on a date with someone you love and enjoy Valentine's Day. These aren't wrong or bad, evil things. But the more important thing is, are we finding beauty in the Lord? Are we pursuing the beauty in Him? The Hebrew word for beauty is no am, and it means sweetness, pleasantness, friendliness, graciousness, goodness, loveliness, splendor, delightfulness. That God might be a very beautiful God in appearance, right? We hear 
descriptions of him in Revelation and different places that, right, all these, some things I don't even know, a jasper stone, a sardius stone, right, all these different stones, the emerald and all these things trying to explain, he's a rainbow, he's behind a crystal sea, all these different things trying to display his beauty. He is a beautiful God, but he's not beautiful just to my eyesight. He's beautiful in my relationship with him. He is my friend. As we are singing worship today, right, that he is this friend. He's like a brother. There's a friendship with Jesus that's even, I'm even closer to Jesus than I am my wife, than I am my own kids. But at the same time, he's the awesome creator, right? That hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And who am I to approach his throne of grace? All these things. Hmm. I think what I would long for this morning is, is for our eyes to be opened, to actually see the beauty of God. I know that he is, the Bible says he is, but I would love to actually see it more in my life, to see his goodness. In fact, there's a song I had on repeat this, uh, this last week. Um, Josh Baldwin, I think that's how he says his last name. Um, the evidence. I see the, good, I see the evidence of his goodness all over my life. All over my life. His promises and fulfillment all over my life. For us to actually see the goodness of God. Moses, we talked about on Wednesday night a little bit, that the goodness of God passed before Moses. I think the goodness of God has actually passed in all of our lives. But do we recognize it? Do we see the goodness of God? In Psalm 27... Actually, I'll do this in first. 2713. It's a verse that I've heard Pastor Nick and myself quote several times. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Meaning, translating that in a different way. I lose heart. I lose hope. I, I lose joy for life when I don't see the goodness of God. When I see pain and sorrow, right? we sing that song, I'm training all these things in. When I see everything that's wrong, I lose my joy. There's something about, maybe it's our sin nature, but it becomes natural for all of us. If, has anyone ever walked into a room where they have the drop tile ceiling? You know what I'm talking about, the office building? And they have the little, um, those metal hangers that are holding the whole ceiling, and you can pop up one at a time, one little cube triangle, or not triangle, square, rectangle. And, um, and if one of them is missing, it could be a room full of like 200 tiles. If one is missing and you walk in that room, what do you see? The one missing. You see what's missing. You see what's wrong. It's obvious. And that's often what our natural disposition is. When there can be so much good all around our lives, but we see what's wrong and we're like, oh, and we complain about this one wrong thing. It's just natural to us. What if... What if it was the other way around? What if you walked into a room and you saw hundreds of tiles missing, but you saw one tile in place, right? You would, you would pay attention to that one tile. Wow, at least there's one in there. In fact, I was, I was laughing when worship, when it was getting changed up this morning. Uh, we found out Daniel's not feeling well, so we can keep praying for Daniel. Um, and um, 
I was trying to figure out what to do. I was like, do we just change our whole worship set? Do we do this? And I loved it. Um, Jesse was over here and I said, well, let's keep maybe one of the songs that Daniel did uh, that had picked out. And he said, probably mostly joking, but he said it with a smile. I said, oh, good. At least we get to keep one of the songs I practiced, right? And I laughed. I was like, hey, thank you, Jesse. That's the right attitude. Because I think that's something that God takes joy and delight in is when his people by default see a good thing. They see the goodness of God. Huh. Nowhere in my notes, but I'm just reminded, last week, early on in the week, I was doing my devotions, and I, for whatever reason, I, I think they were always looking at a cross-reference. Something was cross-referenced in Job. And so I went over to Job, and I thought I was just going to read the verse, and I ended up spending, I don't know how long, I read the whole story of Job again, um, which is 40-some-odd chapters, and so that took a while. Um, but I was reading the story of Job, and I was getting things out of it and I, I hadn't gotten before. And I won't go over all of that. But there was something about that. I, I've always had sympathy for Job, right? Everything that could go wrong went wrong. You guys know the story of Job, right? That God is bragging in the heavenlies with his angels. He's like, oh, Satan comes. He's like, oh, have you considered my servant Job? Like, he is my favorite. I know Ryan one day will be my favorite, but right now Job is my favorite. Um, like, right? He's just everything. He just always worships me. He always loves on me. And then what does Satan say? Well, yeah, because you've, your goodness is all around him. Like there's nothing bad going on in his life. Of course, if you strip all the goodness, he'll curse you to your face. And God's like, no, I know Job. He won't do it. Right? And so we know the story. God allows Satan to do everything. Kills his own kids, right? Um, all of his possessions, gone. Uh, his wife even comes and says, curse God and die. And then he has friends come, supposedly friends come. And they come and they accuse him the whole time, trying to comfort him. They accuse him, Job, you're so unrighteous. This is for a reason. God is punishing you. He's like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve this. But in this, the whole story, most of the book of Job is the dialogue between him and his friends. And Job is pleading his case. I don't deserve all this evil. And he's trying to defend himself with his friends. And his friends are saying, no, 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 no. And finally, at the end of this, Job, it says throughout it, that Job never cursed God. He did not do what Satan thought he would do. He was faithful. But in all of that, you see Job say over and over again, I wish I'd never been born. Sounds so harsh. I know I could have other pastors disagree with me theologically and different things. I, and I get, I understand certain things, but what I'm trying to hit this morning is I wonder that God shows up at the end of all these chapters of Job going back and forth with his friends. And God says, Gird yourself like a man, Job. Let me tell you something, right? Where were you when I created, the, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? All these different things. Basically puts Job in his place. In all of that, it comes down to God desiring Job to find his satisfaction in him alone. Job, I gave you lots of blessings. And you said it. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You did that. But something in that, you've lost your joy in me which I totally get, right? If that happened to me, I might be in the same shoes as Job. But God is not letting Job off the hook. He's saying, even if there is nothing else good in your entire life, am I enough? Just having a relationship with me, is that enough to bring you joy? Hmm. And then you see Job repent. Job repents, and he just begins to love on the Lord, and then you know the rest of the story, right? 
after his love relationship with God is restored, then all these other blessings, right? Things fill back into his life. And I'm just wondering, how many times do I get caught up in things of this world? Things with policies our government's doing in the federal government, our California government, whatever it is, things going wrong in relationships, in different things. And I lose the joy of my salvation. I lose the joy that the Lord has over me. As I read the beginning Psalm, Psalm 149, that the Lord delights in you. Are you seeing God's goodness? Are you seeing his joy in you? So you read Psalm 27, 13. Psalm 27, 4, another famous one, says this. One thing I ask God, and one thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord and behold his beauty. I've read this, I don't know how many times, and I often think about just being in God's presence. Oh, that's what I want. I just want to be in his presence. But David say, not just to be in his presence, I want to behold his beauty. I want to find more joy and satisfaction in the beauty of the Lord. What is beautiful about God? What do you go around telling people? God is so beautiful. Isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? Are you seeing the beauty of God in your life? And I I could try to give you a whole bunch of examples of what they might be, but I would love for you to discover that. What is beautiful about God? And if you can't, I get it sometimes it's hard. Like there's been people asking, Pastor, what can I pray for you for? And on the spot, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to pray for. I'm trying to think really quick. So I get it when I'm asking this question. It might take a second, but I, I encourage you to think about that. When you spend some time with God this week, meditate and think on God, you are beautiful. Help me understand more of your beauty. Show me your beauty. All right, so can I even just, I know we've done a lot of prayer, but I said this morning that there's a hidden key in the prayer garden. So I'm gonna pray really quick and then I'm gonna move on to my next point. So join me in praying, join me in praying this. Lord, would you open our eyes? Your goodness is all around me. You have surrounded me in beauty. There are scriptures that say that the enemy has surrounded me. But God, I thank you that your goodness truly is all over my life. Everywhere I look, in every area at work, in my finances, in relationships, in where I live, I can find your beauty. I can see it. And where I don't see it clearly, where it's not overwhelming, Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes? Open the eyes of the blind, where I'm blind to seeing how wonderful and glorious you really are? Would you do a supernatural work to see you as more attractive than anything this world has to offer? So open my eyes in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we talked about opening our eyes. Sometimes our eyes aren't opened or it works in tandem with us opening our mouths. I said this morning that We should sing new songs to the Lord according to scripture. But there's this idea, right? That on Valentine's Day, you share your love, right? You share those little, what are they called? The little sweetheart things, those, uh, where it says all the different things, Valentine phrases on the hearts. What are those called? 
Conversation hearts. Um, you share those things. You share that you love somebody, right? You say it out loud. Um, I thank God, my mom's in the back. I thank God that my mom instilled that into me as a kid to say, I love you. We said it when we went to bed at night. I love you, good night, say your prayers. That was a phrase we said every single time before we went to bed. And we're on the phone, we would say, um, I love you, bye. That's just what we would say, I love you, bye. We'd always say, so I said, I love you multiple times a day to multiple family members all growing up. And so it just became something easy for me to say, I love you. I wonder how many of us, it's easy for you to say that. I love you, right? And I get that in the context of Valentine's Day, you gotta be careful who you say that to, right? Um, Really quick, even a story to go along with that. As I just shared, my mom rehearsed myself and my three uh, sisters that we just said that. When he hung uh, on the phone, love you, bye. This is a long time ago. My sister was a teenager, so this is before I was a teenager. I remember being in the living room, watching my sister answer the phone. This is way back before there was even cell phones, when there was actually a home phone that had a wire plugged into your wall. You guys remember those days? Um, so a long time ago, and my sister was on the phone with a cord hanging to that thing. Anyways, on the phone, and it was some teenage boy that lived in the neighborhood that had called asking for something. And so she's on the phone just talking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's done with the conversation. She says, I love you, bye, and hung up. Ah! She's freaking out, wiping her tongue. I just said I love you. Ah! She was freaking out, right? She told another teenage boy that she loved him. Um, but I wonder how many of us are adverse to just saying that. I love you. I get it. I have teenage kids in my house. I don't want them going around telling all the teenage you know, girls, my boy saying that to every girl at, at school. Benjamin, I think you're at home watching online. Yes, don't go around telling every girl you love her. Um, not worried about Noelle. She, all the boys still have cooties, so I'm good there. Um, but there's something about it coming out of our mouths. There's power, right? Scripture talks about that. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Your words create worlds, right? We know that God did that, right? God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light, right? He spoke things into existence, and we're creating his image. What comes out of our mouth actually creates worlds. You can create the world you live in based off of what comes out of your mouth. If we keep saying, like I said, Jesse said it mostly joking, but I loved the smile and the laughter behind it. Oh, good. At least we get one of them, right? It created an atmosphere. Oh, good. He's not angry and mad. He's being a little bit sarcastic, but at least he's laughing about it, right? We create worlds by what comes out of our mouths. Are you telling God all the time how much you love him? God, you're beautiful. God, I love you more than anything. More, right, these old songs. You should probably thank Pastor Nick that he showed up today because if he didn't show up today, I was just going to sing maybe a cappella some really old songs and you're going to have to listen to my voice. But you guys know all those old songs. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, right? All those things. Um, Lord, you are more precious than silver. All those songs. Those are songs I sing as a little kid and I still sing all the time. I just keep telling God, you're more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. I just, I say it. I say it. Even if I don't feel it sometimes, I say it out loud until I do feel it. Hmm. So I said that, Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Ephesians 4, 29, 
Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. On this Valentine's weekend, I get it. This isn't just in the context of Valentine's Day, but I, I would hate for the world to have a day where they are saying and speaking their words of affection and love towards people and the church doesn't outdo them, doesn't do outdo the world. I mean, that's the whole Bible, to love God, love others, right? They will know us by our love for one another. I think there's room to grow, not just to see God's goodness, but actually to speak his words of affection, these gifts, these beautiful, encouraging words to one another. Hmm. One more, Proverbs 27.5 says this. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. Or in the Message Bible, it says, a spoken reprimand is better than approval that's never expressed. Don't hang on the idea of open rebuke is so good. It's realizing that hidden love is not good. When it's possible to give a word of approval to express that and we don't do it, it's actually not good, right? Hidden love can be more damaging than offensive words. That's how I read this. Hidden love can be more damaging than offensive words. I'm not one to curse. I don't say bad words. I don't, uh, when I'm driving, I think things sometimes about people that are driving that don't drive as good as me on the road, right? But I'm not one to say it out loud a lot. I don't, I don't say it out loud. But if I'm honest, it's not that I need to work on so much as stop saying bad things. I need to work on saying good things. There's things that I feel and I think that are good that I never express. I, I think good things about a lot of you. Sometimes I think about you throughout the week and I say a quick prayer for you, but you never knew. I never expressed it to you, right? Uh, I think it was this week. Yeah, it was. My mom, I was in, actually at the same time, I told you about reading the whole book of Job, right? I spent way more time than I normally do just reading scripture and doing all these things. I was just enjoying all of it. And when I was done with my, I, I don't want to sound pious, but I, hours, I'll, I'll say hours. I'll just leave it at that. Spending time with God. I was like, wow, that was so enjoyable. And when I was finally done, I was like, God, there must have been someone that was praying for me. No joke, 10 minutes after I said that someone was been praying for me, my mom texted me, Ryan, praying that you have such a great day, that you have extra time with God. But I was like, that's where it came from, right? Someone was praying for me, but I never would have known unless she expressed it to me. And I wonder how many of us, we have love for each other, we just don't express it. But our words can create worlds or atmospheres. We can praise one another. In fact, I, I love that even this Super Bowl, I was around a couple people that were, I don't really have a dog in the fight. My 49ers are in the Super Bowl, so I don't really care who wins, but I got to pick somebody to root for, right? And so I'm with other people that love the LA Rams, and they're just talking about all these things. And so I'm like, oh, as they're praising the Rams, I live in LA. All right, even though they're in my same division, I'm not, they're supposed to be my rivals. Okay, I can try to, I'm with these people that are just praising the Rams. I'm like, okay, I can, I can root for the Rams. And then I leave that situation. I go with people that are with Cincinnati Bengals, the underdogs of this, and they start praising them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of like the Bengals, right? 
It's amazing how when I hear people praising something, it influences what I think about them. It's amazing your words, when you praise another person in the room, you just change someone else's idea about that person. You create worlds. If I start saying something negative about somebody and I'm the pastor, well then yeah, I have influence over how you're gonna think over that person. Let's use our words to love on each other, to build each other up, to encourage one another. Hmm. Ah, in fact, let's just do that. I'll scrap a third of my sermon because it's already time to end in worship. So I can have the worship team come back up. But I'd love to do something maybe a little different as we end service today. Hmm. Maybe it is, maybe it, it's something as simple as several of you. I'm sure Daniel's watching this online live right now. Maybe it's several of you just texting Daniel. Miss you, love you, praying for you. Great, let's just flood Daniel's cell phone or on Facebook or whatever you're watching. Just tell Daniel you love him. Maybe it's not all Daniel. Maybe it's someone in the room. But I just feel like there's something in here where our words create worlds. I don't want to just hear a message and sing some songs and move on with our day. I would love to put into practice and to change the atmosphere. Does that make sense? Hmm. So as they get ready, I don't know what song they're going to sing. They'll figure that out. Um, I'll just even as, as Nick, I just kind of dumped everything on Nick as he walked into Sunday morning service. Thank you, Pastor Nick, for being here today. He just actually came back from being with family. His, um, yeah, thank you, Pastor Nick. Um, he actually just had his grandpa pass away this last week. But he's here, right? This is the idea that we can have horrible things go on, but we can still actually have influence to praise one another. I would love... Hmm. I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to land the plane, how to, how to wrap this up. I guess I, I do want there to be some love and interaction here, but I don't want it just to be lateral. I would love for something to be vertical as well. Is that making sense? Okay, last story. I promise, last story. Just as I said that Nick just came back from grieving and spending time with family and still processing the loss of his grandpa. I was just reminded, I know I've shared this kind of before. I was reminded this last summer of going to Oregon, standing in the place, the exact spot that my sister Gina had her accident. And I just remember going with my wife and a couple other people just to spend time with God. And I, I, I wasn't feeling God's presence. I, I'd kind of prayed up until that point. I, I thought it'd be some sentimental, meaningful moment. And so I kind of, I don't know, prop things up. But in the moment, it was just kind of still and nothing. But I purposed in my heart. I can remember the moment I said, God, I'm going to praise you in this spot. In this very spot that life was taken away from my family, where hurt and pain and questions. God, I, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to find you beautiful. 
I did, I sang a new song to the Lord. I just began, again, I wasn't feeling it at first, but I just began to sing. I just began to worship God. And can I tell you, it was so sweet and precious to me that something supernatural did take place, that even at that place where there was trees and there was a stream flowing, the sunlight broke through the clouds and it came through the trees and the shadows and there was rays of sunlight actually landing on the spot where my sister had her accident. And the cool, gentle breeze and just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to my eyes, the cool breeze on my skin. It was a beautiful moment, a beautiful for my eyes, for my ears. Everything about it was beautiful. And he did. He traded my sorrow and my pain for joy, for gladness. It wasn't wishy-washy, just surface-level joy. It was, no, your joy, God. I don't need to have the answers. It doesn't matter. You are good, and I see your goodness. And because of that, life is good. Life is well with my soul. And that's what I want for all of us is to see his goodness. But sometimes I don't see his goodness until it comes out of my mouth first. God, you are good at all times. I will bless you. You are perfect in all your ways. And we just begin to open our mouths and say these things. And then I can see his goodness. So would you stand as we just close the service? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to lead I know I get to help partner with him, but would you love on the Lord? Would you sing a new song to the Lord? Would you find beauty in him? Maybe you're supposed to, before you leave this room, love on somebody else, text somebody, tell somebody you love them. So Holy Spirit, we just, we give you this last moment to have your way. Holy Spirit, I love that you're the seal of our salvation, but that you're the seal almost of everything good that you bring a completion, you bring a fulfillment, you mature those things. Where I've been struggling trying to share and communicate, Holy Spirit, I give it over to you for you to communicate, for you to reveal in each individual heart what they are to do, how they are to grow, how they are to respond to your beauty. So we sing the song, we worship you, but we thank you there's freedom to move about and enjoy your goodness that is all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Many men.